Tupac was smoked twice, once before he died, and once after. I'm Joe Fulgham. Tower of Silence, not in my backyard. I'm Torin Atkinson. How many clown pallbearers can you fit in a hearse? I'm Kevin Leeson. Find out today on Caustic Soda. A funeral is a ceremony for celebrating, sanctifying, or remembering the life of a person who has died. Funerary customs comprise the complex of beliefs and practices used by a culture to remember the dead, from interment itself to various monuments, prayers, and rituals undertaken in their honor. These customs vary widely between cultures and between religious affiliations within cultures. Uh, duh. The word origin comes from the Latin funus. Uh, which means a whole bunch of different things, including funeral, burial rites, death, and corpse. And, of course, necrophobia is the fear of anything associated with death, including coffins, funeral homes, and funerals. All right. Okay. And our special guest for this episode... Uh, that's me. ...is Aaron Dembo. Hi. Hi, Aaron. Hey. Welcome to Caustic Soda. Thank you for having me. So what technically would your bona fides be on the funerary front? I'm assuming you guys asked me to come here because I have a degree in anthropology and another in classical archaeology, but I could be wrong. No, that's awesome. <laughs> maybe, Two it's cause I, maybe it's because I bury people for a hobby. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. That's a good well, one, too. Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't really? And then I dig them back up again. It's exciting. <laughs> well, yeah, you can only bury them once if you don't dig them up. It's, yeah. it's, it's the burying that's the fun part. I don't know. It digging puts, up can be fun, too. I'm it puts guessing. The, it puts the fun in funeral. We yeah. call that excavation. <laughs> it's science, damn it. Not grave robbery. I'm going to call it a funeral from now on. Good one. Just so I enjoy it more. So primarily, funerals involve the showing of the body. Okay. I do that without dying sometimes. Unless the mob shot you in the face. They do some, you do something with the body. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes people don't want to look at it. Sometimes it's about separating that body from living space. And uh, wakes and mm-hmm. uh, burials, sometimes cremation. Mm-hmm. What should we do first? Oh, there's so I, much I, to I choose was going to say, how do you even... It's, a, it's such a huge mountain. Let's, let's do the simple cremation. The technical term for the ashes when you're done is cremains. Mm-hmm. That's oh, what we call those. It's kind of punny. <laughs> What's in that pot? Cremains. Oh, Get rid of those ex- I think we have extraneous a, syllables. Yeah. I think we've got, a, we've got a title for a new Thicket song. <laughs> cremains? Yeah. The cremains of the day. <laughs> Cremation is the process of reducing dead bodies to basic chemical compounds in the form of gases and bone fragments. This is accomplished through burning, high temperatures, vaporization, and oxidation. Cremation may serve as a funeral or post-funeral rite that is an alternative to the interment of an intact body in a casket. Widely practiced. As far as recent news goes, I've been hearing that uh, Japanese authorities are a bit concerned because fe- cremation is a sort of a dominant funeral rite there. And uh, they're concerned that, that the remains of people who are heavily irradiated Ooh. can't be treated in the traditional way. Um, oh, will they explode? Uh, no, but they will disperse. So you get your sort of mini Chernobyl. I don't think they're really looking for that. So. Oh, that doesn't <laughs> sound good at all. Yeah, yeah. Cremation is uh, apparently mostly for the clean, not the radioactive. So keep uh-huh. this in mind, folks. So you prefer to bury your radioactive bodies? <laughs> in general, yes. With with concrete yeah. and lead, maybe. Because normally cremated remains are not a health risk, whereas yes, dead exactly. bodies, just bodies lying around, would indeed be such a thing. And a gross risk. Should we go to burial then? Yeah, talk about yeah, inhum- right. inhumation, the technical term. Inhumation is the technical term for burial? You stick it in the ground. As opposed to exhumation. Yes. Which and also, when you remove it from the ground. Is interment 
only burial as well? If I was going to use that term technically, yes, I would tend to uh, use it in situations where a body was placed into a built structure. Uh, okay. Yeah, like a mausoleum. A mausoleum, tomb. Or a mm. sepulchre. Sepulchre. Sepulcher. Whatever. Is it sepulchre or sepulchre? I would say care. I've always pronounced it sepulchre and no one's corrected me before now. But that, it doesn't come up in conversation very often. There's not too many people still speaking Latin. Well, the act of burying corpses is thought to have begun around 200,000 years ago during the Paleolithic period by Homo sapiens. Mm-hmm. As a result, burial grounds are found throughout the world. That's It's one of the, the tags that, that tells us in the archaeological record, this is a human being or very close to modern humans. Whereas cats only bury their poo. Indeed. Not their dead love. <laughs> this is a cat. This is a human. Dead person. This is a pile of poop. Cat. <laughs> in modern times, the custom of burying dead people below ground with a stone marker to mark the places used in almost every modern culture. Mm-hmm. So n- not necessarily cultures that had any contact with one another, but they independently developed this mm-hmm. method of remembering our dead. A memento, a big stone memento of some kind. Stone, kind of stone lasts, yeah. It's a nice permanent medium. It's kind of interesting, actually. Could be that they did other things. We just haven't found them because, you know, the wood that they stuck up is gone 150,000 years later. Yeah, or the sausage. Or the sausage. Would probably last less than That's a day. Right. I, I, will, <laughs> I will plant my dead dog here. <laughs> with his with his With a garland sausage. of sausages. With a garland yeah. of sausages. <laughs> to mark yeah. his because he loved sausages. I have some various fun Earl facts. Uh. Fun Earls. <laughs> Uh, occasionally, suicides and assassins were buried upside down as a post-mortem punishment. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man, they got me. Yeah, the post-mortem punishments are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta hate those. And as with burial at crossroads, to inhibit the activities of the resulting undead. Inhibit the oh, because they wouldn't know which way to go. Yeah, they just start digging underground. Well, the, yeah, the presumption the is that they start going like this. You don't want them to be face up. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm making a sort of a scrabbling gesture now. You can't see it, but I'm making it scrabbling. It's very scrabbling. Claw. Yeah. Claw. Uh, the Cochians, or possibly Cochians, Cochians from Georgia, not the state, I don't reckon. No, probably. The... Had their dead men hang from the trees while dead women are buried in the ground. Mm-hmm. That is the worst air freshener ever. <laughs> yeah, how do you hang that from your rear view mirror in your car? There are parts you could choose. That's true. <laughs> the wishbone not, would be my favorite. <laughs> but not the whole thing. You'd use the nose because it could smell you the same time you're smelling it. Oh, that is meta. That, that's cosmic there. And then uh, what was the Jewish custom to bury within a certain amount of time? Yeah, they have to be buried within 24 hours, don't they? I remember seeing a law and order where uh, they wanted to do some... As soon as possible, pr- preferably within 24 hours of death. And like I said, it was an episode of Law and Order where the family members were arguing vehemently to get the body buried ASAP. Right. They were saying that it was a religious thing, and then it all turns out, of course, they conspired to kill this person, so they're trying to hide the evidence of the crime. They should have just gone one step quicker and gone, oh, it was just our religion to kill this person. Yeah. Don't judge Elim- our religion. Eliminate the middle uh, <laughs> excuse. Hey. <laughs> the, you know, the religion of of, uh, of pure self-interest. <laughs> Ten Commandments. It's thou called, shalt kill when it suits your I think that's called Calvinism. Pur- <laughs> when it suits your purposes. Thou shalt steal if no one's watching. It's called objectivism, uh, but, actually. Yeah. And no, Rand formed it. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. What can you tell us about the oldest funeral that we know about? The oldest ones that we have surviving are, are typically cave burials, right? That's just because it's privileged preservation. The cave environment is very uh, conducive to preservation of lots of of things. So So in a cave burial, did you use a cave bear to eat the remains? Uh, Typically no, because otherwise we wouldn't be finding it. (laughs) 
Neanderthal burials that we find are typically in caves, too. And the earliest grave offerings that you get are typically flowers, Mm -hmm. which are still very popular even today. Sure. And uh, ochre, which is uh, the world's first art supplies. Yes. And it comes in red and yellow. Nice. (laughs) It was used in cave painting and uh, continued to be sacred into the later Stone Age in a lot of places. In fact, it's one of the first trade goods that you see in a lot of regions, especially around Malta. So would they just leave the ochre? They seem to, they seem to be sort of sprinkling it over, you know, oh, okay. as to redden you, sort of like a, they sprinkle you with the red powder. Hmm. I assume it's a beautification thing. It may have had some other meaning. It's really hard to interpret symbolic behavior when you're that old. Yeah. Put some more blush back in the skin. Yeah. You're looking kind of blue there, Og. I think you need to... <laughs> let me let me mush you up a little bit, a little makeup. All right, yeah, okay. They still do that, too, by yeah, the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, of course, the ever-so-famous Egyptian funerals. Oh, yes. Which, to say, mummification. Mummification and pyramids. Clearly, we'll have our own episode of mummification. Mm-hmm. But what uh, what do we know about just the kind of the funeral, the funeral rites. rites and those yeah. sorts of things? Really, a really elaborate vision of the soul's journey after death mm-hmm. appears very early in the Egyptian record. So that would be the ka. Yeah, and and what we call like spirit. the um, call the Book of the Dead. The earliest form of that that we have that's uncorrupted comes from a pyramid from I believe the fifth dynasty is from King Yunus. After that, it was such a popular thing, and, you know, these instructions as to how to die and to make this transition successfully were so important that they started to be recopied from the old pyramid walls mm. uh, onto papyrus, and they were included in, other, in later burials in, like, the, uh, the Middle Kingdom. Those are called the coffin texts. And what it is is an instruction manual. It's like, when you die, here's yeah. what's going to happen. No worries. <laughs> Just follow these instructions carefully and sit, you know, do all these spells and, and your everything soul will, will be, get to the afterlife. Everything will be fine. be fine. There will be monsters. <laughs> right. We just want you to know right now, monsters. Men, so with, men with heads of hippopotamuses and whatnot. And of course, the Egyptians would often, uh, especially for the royalty, when the king or whoever would die, they would slay by various methods the servants. Yeah, so then and, they entombed them along with. Yeah, yeah they, I don't know about that actually. I I have not seen a lot of human sacrifices in Egypt. Could have had, I certainly once you bury a king, the area around him becomes extremely desirable real estate, and mm. so a lot of people sort of crowd their tombs as close to him as possible because I guess you know he's got the biggest pyramid. I don't know. <laughs> You're pretty sure that he's well-armed going to heaven, so maybe you can just sort of sneak in past the monsters, you know, behind his cortege there. I don't know. A little, a little godliness would uh, would rub off on you? You see it in early Christianity. Uh, there's a period there after Christianity stopped being persecuted in about the third century where they go back into the catacombs in Rome and they start venerating the tombs of the martyrs. And people will literally just start packing their graves around a martyrium. Any place they know that a martyr has been buried, it's like, get close to the martyr. Oh, wow. Stick me in there. <laughs> I want to be I want to be in the good neighborhood. But martyr groupies, who knew? Totally. A martyrium? Yeah, that's a martyr's shrine. Uh, but on the topic of committing your slaves and uh, retainers. Uh, yeah, servants and whatnot. Yeah. Somebody's got to uh, polish your shoes in heaven, right? In Japan, it was the custom to insist that 20 or 30 slaves commit Harry Carey at the death of a nobleman. In Fiji, it was considered correct for the friends of the deceased as well as, as well as his wives and slaves to be strangled. 
how does anybody live? Because then don't they get funerals so all their friends have to get strangled and so on and so on? You probably have to be at a certain station to qualify. I I don't think the slaves are going to have their own slaves for the most part. I'm assuming that the, that the whole purpose of this is to cut down on the catering bill. And just, you know. Especially in Fiji where they practiced uh, cannibalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll really cut down on that. No, they were looking for that, something that to actually... That provided the meat. Yeah, to yeah. serve at the... Like, you, you, and eh, you're looking pretty chubby. Practiced among the Hindu in India prior to being outlawed by the British was the sati or wife burning. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The wife of the deceased was expected to dress herself in her finest clothing and lie down by the side of her deceased husband on the funeral pyre to be cremated alive. The eldest son then lit the pyre. See, That's Mom, really old the Indo-European stuff. There were some people who were still doing that in the 20th century, were they? but the women weren't necessarily volunteering for it, yeah. but yeah. families would like kidnap them and then we throw them on the yeah. well no it's one of those things where uh you have a sort of a religious justification for something that that corresponds closely to an economic thing mm-hmm. which is when a woman gets married in some of these cultures she's uh accompanied by a dowry if you burn her or if she just happens to quote unquote die in a kitchen fire you get to keep the money mm-hmm. right if she goes back to her family uh, she takes her dowry with her, typically. Right. You kind of have a double whammy there in terms of your motivation to get rid of her as the husband's family. Hence why the eldest son lights the <clears throat> fire. Yeah, well, he's got to protect his finances. Mm-hmm. So tell us about the Great Death Pit, then. The Great Death Pit. This is not to be confused with the Mediocre Death Pit <laughs> or the Lesser Death Pit. <laughs> or the Lame Death Pit. The, the Rather or... Pathetic Death Pit. Yeah. No, this is the Great Death Pit. Uh, it's from the Royal Cemetery of Ur, and uh, I, I thought since we were going to bring up the human sacrifices uh, accompanying death, this is one of the more dramatic ones. Mm. This is this is dating from about 2600 BC. Uh, okay, so that's a long time ago. Yeah, it's a big pit. It's it's excavated by Sir Leonard Woolley. It comes from the Royal Cemetery, and there's only about 17 tombs left in the Royal Cemetery that were not completely looted in antiquity. And mm. But the nice thing about the death pit is that although the big tomb that was nearby was looted out and you can't really get much evidence from it, this was left alone. And what you have there is like a 9 by 8 burial chamber with 74 people. Wow. A 9 foot by 8 foot? Yeah. Not eight, not feet, but meters. Oh, meters. Oh, okay. Sorry. Right. Who chose to accompany the royal burial into death. The interesting thing about them is because those bodies are undisturbed, you can get a very good look at them, and you can see that that they are not necessarily they they don't show the show the same signs of like a slave burial that you'll see in a Viking context where the person's head, hands and feet are tied, mm-hmm. and you know they've been decapitated or there's evidence of a violent death. In this case, you have no evidence of violent death. In fact, you have every evidence that people sort of lined up and decided to go along on this trip, whatever it was. So you have like six soldiers that are stationed by the ramp. You've got four female musicians with their harps. And then, you know, literally 64 women who are all lying down in nice, neat, orderly rows with all their best jewelry on. And, you know, 28 of them have gold hair ribbons and all the rest of them have silver hair ribbons. And what's interesting is that there was one girl who was late to the funeral, Right. Oh. Her silver hair ribbon is still, you know, folded up in its inner pocket. She didn't make it to the hairdresser on time. So she's got all her jewelry on. Everybody's got all their nicest stuff on, but she missed her getting her hair done. And do we know how they were, how they yeah. died? Like, did they just lay down and starve to death? Or um, they... Presumably not, because that would cause some disruption. I suspect it was a poison, right? Because uh, okay. it's, it's so orderly. 
Uh, even suffocation, if they're still awake, won't do that. Yeah. Right. So, as I said, you know, just a probably relatively painless because you don't have, you know, thrashing so around. Or back whatever. in the day, this was like, you know, sort of seen as a good thing. And now this, today we call it Jonestown. One of my very, very favorites is uh, called the Mound of the Horse King. Uh, it's a site in China. And most people haven't heard of it. Um, but if you have, you probably have heard of it by its Chinese name, which is Mawang Dewey. Mawang Dewey was, it is a triple burial. There are three great tombs there that are all sort of in one gigantic mound. And these are from the Han Dynasty. And they date from about 174 BC to about 145, somewhere in that time window. You have really precisely made funeral chambers that are really nice and geometric. And then you lay like 15 centimeters of white clay in the bottom of them. And then beautifully made nested coffins. Like uh, clay that is not fired? Just... It would, yeah, just laid out okay. wet. And then all of their funeral goods and just like full sets of red lacquerware and all sorts of beautiful tomb offerings and little figurines and the whole bit. When you're, they've got all that stuff in it, they cover it over again with charcoal and more. And they ram pack it with this white clay. Hmm. So what you get is a state of preservation, which, is, which goes for 2,000 years so well that the woman who's buried inside uh, Han tomb number one, you could literally do an autopsy on her 2,000 years later. Wow. And find out what her blood type was, what she had for her last meal, what diseases she suffered from. I mean, and everything in the tomb. Yeah, (laughs) everything in the tomb is just in awesome shape. It's still, like, perfect. And her son, who was buried in the next tomb over, had a library of, like, 42 silk books. Also Ooh. in really nice shape, which had a complete, you know, set of medical textbooks. He had the first illustrated textbook that had pictures of comets in it. Wow. He had a topographical map of China and a military map of China, which shows where all the troops were disposed, right? And the it's, Chinese Necronomicon. Yeah, 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 totally. There's like, there's a text on Chinese vampirism, but shh, nobody knows about it. So that is by far and away your favorite uh, It's one of my, site. the Osberg ship burial is pretty neat. What's uh, that? It's a Viking burial. It's like 834 AD. You have basically uh, two women that are buried under a gigantic mound with a, a fully intact oh, Viking ship. I have heard of that one. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful ship, and it's really got great preservation. See, what happened was they, they laid the ship down, and then they put down, you know, all of the sacrificial animal companions that sure. were going along, which is, you know, horses, oxen. She even had a pet peacock that it's went It's Noah's with death arc. <laughs> and like the tomb was looted so all of the gold and stuff like that is gone but you get a lot of the everyday items which were left behind and what's neat is they sort of built like a um i don't know how to describe it exactly but a little cabin over the bodies mm-hmm. right when they put them on the deck of the ship it collapsed so the original mound was like six meters high it collapsed down to three meters and it just crushed everything with an airtight seal. Oh, okay. So the preservation on the ship is amazing, right? Yeah. And when they pulled it out in, you know, like 1904, they got a full-length Viking ship out of it, which is in very nice shape. Who were these women that they deserved to burial this opulent? The idea of who's buried there is based on the toponym, which is the name of the place. The name of the farm is called Asseburg. What Asseburg means is Asa's Mountain. And there is a recorded Viking queen of, with that name okay. uh, who was a member of the clan that was sort of ruling that area. And so what was the theory, that they'd, like, ride this ship into the afterlife? Like, they could cruise into Valhalla? Yeah, were... yeah, probably so. I mean, oddly enough, the idea that death 
is a journey by water is pretty much common to all of the Indo-European descendants, everyone yeah. from Proto-Indo-European. So the Greeks believe it. Yeah, like the, the Romans river sticks it. and stuff yeah. like that. Burial by ship as a sort of a status thing is a nice way to go if you have a ship. In the immortal words of Andy Samberg, I'm on the motherfucking boat, yo. In a lot of those same traditions that descend from it, you get that ferryman figure. It's not It's not just Greek. It, it's in a lot of contexts. Mm-hmm. The Greek name for him is Cheiron, but like the actual Proto-Indo-European word seems to be Geron, which means old man. In movies and whatnot, isn't the Viking burials usually put them on a boat and burn the boat? Burn the boat yeah. Cremation is an interesting thing. Cause like I said, it, none of these cultures that use that that descend from this kind of cultural common ancestor, use just cremation. Cremation is kind of an elite thing, right, mm. if you can get it, but none of, you, you almost never see a situation where it's the only funeral rite that's being practiced. Right. What's much more common is for, you know, it's like an express ticket to the afterlife. Okay. Right? So, like, because apparently in Homer they call it the soothing rites of fire. And basically there's an idea that, that being sort of buried in your corruption is painful to you. You're in kind of a sense of spiritual agony until you can get your bones defleshed and throw off the mortal coil. With all the worms eating your eyes and so forth. Yeah, and for that to go on for any length of time is apparently considered kind of unpleasant. Recently I saw on the internet a vast gallery, a photo gallery of a Tibetan sky burial which is the ritual dissection, uh, once a common funerary practice in Tibet, wherein a human corpse is cut in specific locations and placed on a mountaintop, exposing it to the elements and animals, especially vultures. In Tibet, the practice is known as Byagtor, which literally means giving alms to the birds. Uh, the majority of Tibetans adhere to Buddhism, which teaches rebirth. There is no need to preserve the body, as it is now an empty vessel. Birds may eat it, or nature may let it decompose, so the function of the sky burial is simply the disposal of the remains. And since in Tibet, much of the ground is too hard or rocky to dig a grave, and with fuel and timber scarce, the sky burial is often more practical than cremation. And, like, just cool and gross. We emailed around these photos from the sky burial, and they're both really fascinating in a National Geographic kind of way. And then really (laughs) disgusting, because this this body is really just reduced to a pile of meat because they slash it. Yeah, they cut it all up into bite-sized chunks, basically. Yeah, it doesn't yeah make they, it there's easier. a bit of processing there. Yeah. They, they break the bones usually, typically, yeah, to so that, sort of make you more mm-hmm. palatable to the birdies. Thing. Yeah, very easily spread to the four corners of your little piece of the world. There's no real sense that once they've uh, they've run you through your funerary rite, which is, you know, gets your soul to where it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. that your meat is anything special. Mm-hmm. I and mean, it's not like in Christianity where they expect you to come back to it. So, you know, one of the reasons that they try to keep you in nice shape in a Christian burial is because presumably you'll be needing that again. So mm-hmm. they're not going to be cutting off parts of it or feeding them to animals or whatever. It's very convenient Christians haven't been revisiting their graves to notice what's happened to their dead friends. <laughs> so I don't think I want to come back to what I've got after even 10 <laughs> years or so in the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we're going to put these images up on the website, causticsodapodcast.com. It's very graphic. Absolutely. Exposure burial is not that uncommon. It's practiced in North America. Really? Where? A lot of the natives in this uh, part of uh, the world used to bury their dead in trees and leave them there, right? It's, oh, um, right. That it's would a make thing. for some creepy forests. Yeah. Uh, Just or, walking you know, around and there's some you know, dead bodies up in the trees burying them up together. There's some actual sort of a cannibal cult that was local to this part of the world, a sort of a religious practice uh, called Hamatsa, where apparently 
in ancient times, they could sort of take advantage of these low, of these uh, you know tree burials, and when they were doing the cannibal ritual, actually drag parts of corpses back into the the house, <laughs> stuff like that. So, in the Indo-Iranian tradition, they gave up cremating people because they felt that it sort of that it was profaning the fire. Fire is a deity, and, oh, okay. and so and earth is and earth is also holy. So they did not want to impurify fire or earth with, with stupid people. It's well, not a they, very humanist way of looking at things, is it? <laughs> no. Well, it's not the people; it's the corpse specifically. There's actually rumors that there's a corpse demon that enters the body upon death and causes it to putrefy. Oh, right. Okay. And they don't particularly want that touching something sacred like right. fire or right. earth. So in uh, Iran, I know they used to use the Tower of Silence, which is a built structure which achieves the same purpose that the Tibetans achieve by putting you out on a hill. You know, as I said, they lay you out. There's a specific way that you have to be laid out in order to be buried in a Tower of Silence. And that practice continued, like, up until the 1850s, right? Okay. The, so it was uh, just a tower where it's just, like, with body an open, after body yeah, after body? With, like? an open, with an open ceiling, right? There was no roof over Did it. Did it and fill the up? Birds, the birds could come down. And oh, they, I see. They would deflesh you, and you would be all cleaned up, and, you know. It was like then, a birdhouse full of corpses. <laughs> anyway, they had to give it up, apparently, in the 1850s, uh, because they started up a modern-style university relatively close by. <laughs> And birds and, were, like, dropping pieces of flesh on their lawn or something? No, sadly, it was worse than that. Actually, they uh, they had a medical school. And Islam uh, does not allow you to uh, dissect people gratuitously uh, if they're... For medical reasons or yeah, otherwise. Yeah, if they're Muslims. <laughs> right. But it doesn't, there's, I don't think the Prophet said anything about dissecting Zoroastrians. So you could uh, go out to the Tower of Silence and, you know, grab a few corpses... Oh, I see. And bring them back to the medical school, a la... <laughs> Before even the birds had a chance to do their work. Exactly. And uh, that was apparently very painful to the community, so they decided to find some other answer. Also, you know, just population growth was getting to the point where these towers were supposed to be away from where people lived, right? but there was a lot of encroachment. Right, so, of you know, things, communities grow, and all of a sudden the tower is in the middle of a suburb, right? And there's right. people all around it, and that's like... It's like it's, my property values are taking a big hit. I got a tower of silence in my backyard. And I'm sure with that many fat and hungry feasting birds, Tower of Silence is one of those opposite names like Greenland. <laughs> it's probably constantly full of... It's just like, ah! When we moved in here, they said it was a Tower of Silence. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move over to the train tracks of tranquility. <laughs> <laughs> My grandfather's clock was too large for the shell, so it stood ninety years on the floor. It was taller by half than the old man himself, though it weighed not a penny weight more. It was bought on the morn of the day that he was born. And must always is treasure and pride But it stopped short Never to go again when the old man died Ninety years without slumbering
is life's seconds numbering. It stopped short, never to go again when the old man died. In watching its pendulum swing to and fro, many hours had he spent while a boy. And in childhood and manhood the clock seemed to know and to share both his grief and his joy. For it struck twenty-four when he entered at the door with a blooming and beautiful bride. But it stopped short, never to go again when the old man died. Ninety years without slumbering, his life seconds numbering. It stopped short, never to go again when the old man died. In the news. Belle Fontaine, Ohio. Norman Thompson, 79, died Monday, May 25th. Okay. This is from 2009. Previously news. Thompson, also known as Boppo was a Shriner and member of the Antioch Shrine Funster Clown Unit for 15 years. <laughs> the Clown Unit specializes in eliciting smiles from and comforting children who are burn victims or have orthopedic problems. Oh, okay. He God. was buried Friday with the highest honor a clown can receive. <laughs> he was carried to his resting spot by his fellow clowns, said Willie the Clown, the Funster's director known informally as the Boss Clown. Eight of Thompson's El Jefe Clown. Eight of Thompson's fellow clowns in their full costumes acted as pallbearers at Thompson's funeral. The tribute is only done at clowns' funerals. <laughs> oh, make them laugh. At the request of the deceased and their families. Though there were tears, Thompson was laid to rest as he had lived with more cheer than despair. Now, was the bottom of the coffin, like, taller than the front because they had to fit those huge shoes in there? Yes. I like the fact that they had to stipulate that this is only allowed at clown funerals. Like, somebody's going to request, they're going to see this in a news story and go, I want clowns to be my pallbearers. <laughs> the thing is, is that people don't bury themselves. So there's a lot of people that you would like to hire clowns to be their pallbearers, if not yours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, re uh, the revenge pallbearer. Yeah. Let's put a little note down for when George W. Bush finally passes. <laughs> we would like to offer you no, a, a clown one, salute. Stephen Harper? That one would be allowed because those guys are both ass clowns. So technically they qualify. Mm -hmm. There's going to be an interesting zombie, eh? Some clown at your funeral, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> and from 2006, five people have been detained in China for running striptease send-offs at funerals. The once common events are held to boost the number of mourners as large crowds are seen as a mark of honor. But the arrests in the eastern province of Jiangsu could signal the end of the rural tradition. Local officials have since ordered a halt to obscene performances, quote-unquote, <laughs> and say funeral plans have to be submitted in advance. The arrests in Donghai County followed striptease acts at a farmer's funeral. 200 people were said to have attended the event, which was held on 16 August. You die. Yep. You're having a funeral. Right. You bring strippers. Yeah, because you want people to show up. Uh, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, it brings I'm, whole new meaning to dancing on your grave. I, my, my mind is spinning 
spinning with the possibilities. Although, well, here's what I was thinking at first. At first, I was thinking that the person doing the striptease was the corpse, like that they had set up some kind of strange pulley and marionette system. So that as the, the funeral is progressing and they're, and they're maybe walking the body down towards where the grave is, bits of clothes co- get pulled off by strings. No, they, they do that at attention. puppeteers' funerals, but not. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> now we will walk him into the grave. You know what the crime of this whole story is? Is that the person whose funeral is doesn't get to enjoy the strippers themselves. That's why you have to enjoy them now yeah. before you die. Seize the day mm-hmm. or whatever. Because it soon is. you'll be in the ground uh, or in a vulture's belly. <laughs> Carpe dancer. <laughs> Perfect. Local villagers believe that the more people who attend the funeral, the more the dead person is honored. And there's nothing better to achieve honor than pasties <laughs> yeah, exactly. well, and nudity. Isn't it just easier to, instead of banning this, isn't it easier, easier to just point out to them, listen, if you have people showing up for the strippers, that's not the dead person being honored. Unless the strippers were wearing, like, masks of the deceased. Then they would have been honoring Keep them. talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining your face on a hot stripper's body oh, right dear now. Oh, Christ. What can we you're, do to get Kevin dead soon? Because probably uh, not. La, la, we need to la, make this la, happen. La. <laughs> Joe, you're not the first. You won't be the last. That wouldn't mm. be gay, would it? So very. I'm wondering how I tag that. It's in the manual. I have some funeral facts. Oh, okay. All right. Modern mourning clothing came from the custom of wearing special clothing as a disguise to hide identity from returning spirits. If you're going to be haunted, they can't find the person to haunt because you don't look like yeah. you. Pagans believe that returning spirits would fail to recognize them in their new attire and would be confused and overlook them. Spirits are dumb. Yeah, I know. Who knew that Who knew that ghosts were so stupid? You could just wear a wig. Covering the face of the deceased with a sheet stems from pagan tribes who believe that the spirit of the deceased escaped through the mouth. And they would often hold the mouth and nose of a sick person shut, hoping to retain the spirits and delay death. Delaying death by holding your nose and mouth shut. The Romans would try to breathe in the last breath of the deceased. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. This qualifies as bad science. Hey, Bob's about to die from the Black Plague. Quick, breathe in his breath. See if, or, you can, see if you can huff him. Or Bob's about to die from the Black Plague. Let's plug his nose and hold his mouth shut. To delay death. To delay death as long as don't possible. Don't die. No, don't die. The firing of a rifle volley over the deceased mirrors the tribal practice of throwing spears into the air to ward off spirits hovering over the deceased. Get a shoe. Get away from here, spirits. Yeah, yeah. I will shoot you. A public service announcement from Caustic Soda. Seven tips for saving funeral money. Oh. This comes from Funeral Consumers Alliance at San Antonio, Texas. This, this is like the Caustic Soda economic review. This is important yeah, exactly. stuff. They, they consume a lot of funerals in Texas. Them. Number one, talk about funerals with family members ahead of time. Oh, yeah, like get it all squared away before yeah. you get into the grieving moments. Number two, price shop by telephone or in person. Take a friend who will help you resist subtle pressures to spend more. This is just basic shopping. Yeah, this is just yeah, you do that. You do that at a car dealership. But you too. have to drive this home because you're feeling very emotional, right? You yeah. you feel like you owe something to this person you love, and it's very easy for them to upsell to you. Mm-hmm. Let's just say if every if every shopping expedition that you had to go on was going to happen after someone hit you in the head with a frying pan, you would probably plan them carefully. So here's a shopping expedition that you probably want to plan carefully because you mm-hmm. will be in shock. Number three, make a simple wood casket. It is illegal for a mortuary to charge a handling fee for using a casket obtained elsewhere. If a funeral home charges much more than four hundred to five hundred dollars for a modest casket, it's a good bet it's taking three to five hundred percent markup. Ouch. Awesome. Number four, consider cremation. It costs a great deal less to ship cremated remains from one state to another. Cemetery space will probably cost less than the space needed for a body burial, 
or cremains can be buried <laughs> slash scattered wherever you choose. Told ya. <laughs> uh, Big Lebowski. Number five, plan a memorial service without the body present. In that case, there would be no need for embalming, a fancy casket, or expensive transporting of the body back and forth. So what do you do with the body? Keep it wherever they died. Number six, consider body donation to a medical school or oh, body worlds. Yeah. Or body worlds, yeah. Or the body farm at my alma mater. Please consider it. Did we, we talked about the body farm, yeah. didn't we? Yeah. University of Tennessee, yes. Yeah. I, am, I am an alumni. That's where I got my degree in anthropology. Wait, wait. Does that mean you're a volunteer? Yes, I do. So you're never allowed to get paid ever again. Nobody from that school ever gets go paid Vols, for go. anything. <laughs> yeah. In some area, there may be no cost to the family whatsoever. In other circumstances, the cost of transporting the body may be the only cost. Often, if you ask, cremated remains will be returned to the family after scientific study, usually within a year or two. At the body farm, they're going to keep it. So they let be aware worms, of that. They let worms eat it and whatnot. Well, they, they need the bones. Yeah. They need to continue studying them. And number seven, ask for a grave liner rather than a coffin vault. If you prefer body burial, ask for a grave liner at a portion of the price of a coffin vault. The outer burial container is quickly becoming a new way for morticians to increase their income and is an added burden on your funeral finances. With prices as much or more than caskets, remember that it is just a box for the box which quickly gets covered by the cemetery lawn. A friend of mine's father just passed away, and uh, she said, oh, I should, here's something you should mention. If you do want to get, it, get them cremated, don't go through the funeral home because they will just be a middleman to the people who actually do and have a big markup on it. Right. So she said, uh, if you just Google for a basic cremation in Canada, it's a abasiccremation.ca is the website, and they will just come and pick them up and burn them and then give me the, give you the rest of the stuff back. No middleman. Can you wow. request that they be dressed in clown uniforms? <laughs> do they? Stri- I think they would strip them, though. Do they, do they burn no, them with the clothes? I don't know what the details you, I think are. he was talking about the people who are picking up the body. Oh, yeah. the people with the body. Oh, that would probably be an optional service. Yeah, you probably have to just rent the costume. Here, get in this. Yeah. <laughs> we said a be, basic cremation. A clown would, cremations are very expensive. Yeah, that would be, that would be, I just uh, want to keep this in mind. We're, we're talking about right. cost-effective strategies. That would be a clowncremation.ca. All right, notable funerals. Looking forward to this one. Tupac Shakur. Tupac is a notable funeral? Uh, yeah. I was waiting for like state funerals or like Henry VIII or something. Or... Just you wait. What do you know about this, Joe? <laughs> I know what they did with his remains. Go ahead. He never had a funeral. The private ceremony that his mother planned was canceled at the last minute and the rapper was cremated which is when shit got real. <laughs> Shakur's crew, the Outlaws, the Z, then mixed his ashes with weed and smoked him. What? <laughs> okay, that is... I would never do that. No. But that is pretty awesome. It's really hardcore. Guys. That is hardcore. Yeah. Nobody could ever doubt that you are hard when you have smoked <laughs> your buddy's remains. That is crazy and creepy. These are dudes who, came who up probably with this idea. These are dudes who listen to caustic soda and go, that ain't nothing. <laughs> ain't check, nothing but a thing. Check this. And you've heard of Hunter S. Thompson's funeral. Oh, no. No. Funded by friend Johnny Depp, Thompson had his ashes shot out of a cannon that was mounted on a 150-foot tower designed by Thompson and shaped like a two-thumbed fist clutching a peyote button. <laughs> Attendees were asked to pay their respects by enjoying the sound of the clink of ice in a glass full of whiskey. And there was fireworks too. That's really cool. The only way that gets better is if they don't shoot his ashes out of a cannon. They shoot his whole body out of a cannon. I think getting permission to do that would be pretty difficult. 
Permission you know, be damned. He was Hunter S. Thompson, for God's sakes. He never asked permission for nothing. It's probably easier to ask for forgiveness than to get permission in ahead of time. <laughs> in, in, in that particular case, yeah. that would be true. Our I good mean, friend Jimmy Doohan. Uh, Jimmy Scotty. Doohan. Oh, okay, there you go. From Star Trek. Requested a burial in space in his will. Luckily for him, there's a company that specializes in just that, Celestis Memorial Space Flights. Dune's family launched his ashes into space on two occasions, but alas, they failed to make orbit. The first time, the rocket and the ashes were briefly lost. <laughs> Captain, my capsule cannot take no more. We'll never make the atmosphere. So given that information, let's go around and talk about, instead of Lesser of Two Evils, your preferred funeral. In a previous episode, I believe it was the explosions episode, and that's a good one, so you should all go back and listen to it. We talked a little bit about my preferred mode of burial, which is not burial at all, for all intents and purposes. Call it a sky burial of sorts. Yeah, yeah, it's a, a variant on the sky burial. I think it'd be super cool to be laid out on a pallet of nitroglycerin or TNT or C4, whatever you can get your hands on. Sure. But enough that it will create an explosion of enough force and flame and concussion Basically, atomize me. The Mythbusters funeral. It would actually be a Mistbusters because I, I would like to be a fine red mist. Yeah. <laughs> I've always thought that it would be like cartoony sort of boxes of TNT with TNT written on the side and like sort of a pseudo mountain of it. And I was, if you perch me right on the top of this like 30 foot high car. And do we wait for the Roadrunner to go by? Yeah. <laughs> me, me. All right. And you'll get a little Rocketeer <sighs> helmet with a fin so you can guide yourself up even though you're dead. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like all that sort of stuff. But now that we've been talking about, like, shape charges and whatever in previous episodes and whatnot, <laughs> I mean, maybe just, like, you know, you get something that's incredibly powerful explosive packed into a small container and then, like, almost duct tape me to it. Because that would probably work I better. was thinking insert it rectally. I think you need to be the payload of a rocket, right? Just what put if, you up there in the cap, you know, launch it, and then you get up nice and high, and then you're... So you're the head of an right. ICBM. ICBM. It's an airburst. What yeah, if we, no, that's not a bad idea either. What if we put you inside a recreation of an atomic bomb where instead of uh, uranium, it's your body in the middle, so there's the, explos- the explosive material all around. Kevinanium? So it goes off, and it, like, implodes you all into the middle. Ooh, that is kind of cool, too. Maybe awesome enough to turn you into a diamond. Oh, Diamond. And then I'd put you in my tooth. <laughs> That's a blood diamond. Like in Tupac. I know what I would want to be. And I think I may have mentioned this before as well, but I'm not sure. I would like to be fed giant squid. Yeah, yeah. So basically put my dead body on a hook mm-hmm. and lower it down into the mesopelagic or beyond, uh-huh. the deep, deep sea, uh-huh. and uh, just pull up whatever eats me, I guess. No hagfish, then, though. Only squid. Or like, well, you know, I can only hope. Yeah. I can only hope for giant squid. Right. Well, I mean, we can put you in a red suit (laughs) and and put some lights on you. That should bring them in. The red attracts them. Yes, and if they catch something new to science, they have to name it after you. Archituth is Torinai. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So you're willing to roll the dice just in the long shot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That you get taken by a giant Preferably with a bunch of cameras down on my body just so they can all watch whatever Mm. eat me, eat me. Give me, we're going to live stream that stuff. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very last episode of Caustic Soda. <laughs> Torin, glum, glum, Torin glum. was a great host. <laughs> yeah, we really got to jack up our viewership here, so uh, might have to, you know, hurry this up. Uh, I don't care. I'll be dead. But uh, looking at it from now, I think I just want my body to be useful. So if I've got parts that people can use, then donate it to the body farm at Tennessee University. Do- I'll donate it to whomever can use it. Yeah. 
as far as I go, yeah, I mean, I just don't want to die a hypocrite. So, I mean, I've spent years now, I've handled plenty of people's skulls and dug up plenty of graves, <laughs> apparently, or been party to it. I think my options are, I would very much like to leave an interesting archaeological site. Oh, Viking yeah. ship. So, Wonder yeah, like a like if I can get a Viking ship, I'd love it. But, but right now, I'm leaning towards, uh, they have these awesome coffins that they're making in Ghana nowadays. Ghana. Are, yeah, they're, they're sculptural coffins, and they can be shaped like anything. So, I mean, you can have a, a coffin shaped like an airplane, like a chicken, like a banana, right? Like it's just, I saw this like a large Coca-Cola bottle. Yeah, it's like a Coca-Cola bottle, and I want one that's a giant book. Ah, <laughs> right? all right. You know, get buried with that. You know, a lot of cool clay and glass objects in there kind of so that they, they last. Yeah. Or I've heard that there's still religious practices like in South and Mesoamerica where they like to have a skull shrine where if you have a university degree or something that they want it for their skull shrine because you're supposed to be worth, you know, your head is worth more apparently. Right. So, okay. So if anyone wants it, please apply. <laughs> <laughs> you can have my skull for your skull shrine. For your skull shrine. Mm-hmm. And let us know on causticsodapodcast.com in the comments for this episode how you would like to be dealt with. Pop culture. Star Trek 2 II and 3. Oh, right, of course, because yeah. they have funerals. And speaking of those custom-made Spock. coffins, yeah. there is a company that is working on I've seen pictures of the prototype. You can actually buy the, 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 torpedo the photon torpedo casket That's a nice from one. Eternal Image. Will Trekkies know no limitations? <laughs> no, they won't. Is there any line they won't cross? <laughs> There's no such line. That... But yes, of course, there was the, the death of Spock and his funeral in the... Rathacon. Rathacon. What you would call that area there, the torpedo launch room. Torpedo launch room, yeah, yeah. yes. Pretty emotional back when I was like 10. And have you guys seen Harold and Maude? No. Oh, fantastic actually. movie. I hear, really? I hear it's great, and I keep meaning to see it, but I haven't. I would say that of all the movies out there, that may be the most caustic soda-y-ish movie. Well, it, <laughs> it opens with the main character, the Harold character, trying to um, fake commit suicide in like 10 different ways. Yeah, he's, he's a rich kid, and his parents are always trying to set him up with these rich girls, mm-hmm. and he's obsessed with death. And every time a girl comes over, he, you know. Fake commits suicide. Fake commits suicide in some <laughs> weird, hilarious way. Yeah. Uh, so it's very irreverent. Irre- and- <laughs> to put it kindly. <laughs> and then he meets, um, I can't remember the actress's name. but like, she's right, but like She plays Maud. 70-year-old. Ish, maybe. yeah. Maybe even older, maybe uh, in her 80s. Ruth Gordon. Who's an old lady, and they fall in love. Yeah. She's she's an old woman who's got the joy of life. Yeah, and it, it, it's an unconventional love story to say the least. Yeah, and it's from the seventies, nineteen seventy one, and it's a great movie, one of my all time favorites. I would it, say it is a fantastic. It was, film. It's like it's like a Wes Anderson movie before there were Wes Anderson movies. Oh wow! Yeah, it's got the best draft dodging scene of all time. I don't remember that part. Oh, it's the best. That's one of my favorite parts of the movie. Of course, there's a funeral in it. Not going to say anything else about it. <laughs> Get low. I just saw that three months ago. Robert Duvall plays a, a hermit. Yeah, a hermit slash outlaw. Mm-hmm. Kind of like self-outlawed in a way. He is cantankerous, to say the least. Oh, yeah. Amazing film, again. I wouldn't say amazing, but it was really good. Yeah. The the premise is, is that he wants to have his own funeral before he actually dies. He wants to hear what everybody has to say about him to his face. Yeah. Because he's a cranky old guy who lives down lives like outside of town. And everybody, there's all sorts of rumors about him. Like the whole movie is, oh, I heard that he shot a man in a barroom brawl one time. And I heard that he, you know, uh, ate babies. And, <laughs> you know, just all, every rumor about him was more ridiculous than the last. So he's like, I want to know what people think about me. I want them to tell it to my face. So he plans this lottery where everybody sends in a couple of dollars 
and that gives them the right to come and speak at his funeral. And then at the end, they make a draw and they give away his property. His property, and that's the prize. So uh, for a couple of dollars, and it's set in like the Depression era. Yeah, and the Undertaker played by Bill Murray, Good most stuff. definitely. Klingon death ritual from an early Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yes, it's uh, kind of interesting how the Klingons approach death and what they do with it. They all uh, shout to the heavens to warn that a Klingon warrior is on his way. Stovacor. They say, "What would you like us to do with the body?" Whatever you wish. It is but an empty shell now. All the humans react in the show. Oh my goodness, that's so weird and alien of them to think that this body is just an empty shell and who cares what happens to it. Makes perfect Come sense on. to Joe. You're science guys. You know that everything that was important about that person is gone. Stupid federation. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid humans. <laughs> Four weddings and a funeral. It's got Never. a funeral in the title. Tell me more. I, don't, I actually don't know much about it. Hugh Grant, it's the first movie that I saw that I ever remember Hugh Grant from. I think this was basically his breakout role. And uh, starred Annie McDowell, the only thing I've ever seen that I actually liked her in. <laughs> in the course of the movie, Hugh Grant attends four weddings and a funeral. In that order? The, fun- the, the funeral is the end of the movie. Okay. It's this burgeoning love affair between him and Annie McDowell as they keep bumping into each other because they have uh... a bunch of mutual friends at these different weddings and, and then it's ultimately sure. funeral. And so, uh, yeah, it's a, a romantic comedy. Seems like a wa- lot of weddings to watch. It doesn't really feel that way. <laughs> it's not like actually attending the wedding yourself. No, no, it's not as painful as all that. Cause, like, no, it's of course, like you skip straight to the part where you try to get into the bridesmaid's underwear. Skip and, the whole ceremony and get straight to the drinking and well, screwing. And all the different funerals, he, he like Hugh Grant plays a different role. Like one, he's the best man and one, he's just like in the crowd and one, it's his wedding, oh. and one, oh. you know, so not getting married to what's her face, not getting married to Andy McDowell. Exactly, uh. that's a uh, big plot point right there. If you hadn't already guessed, <laughs> okay. so he plays a fundamentally different role in each one of these weddings. So you know, you didn't feel like it was repetitive. It didn't just feel like they're doing the same gags over and over and over. Should I see it? I, I recommend it. It's eminently watchable. I Should bet you I you- see it? Uh, it is a romantic comedy, and I don't think Torrin would enjoy a romantic comedy. I enjoy romantic not. comedies when they're good. It's he a good, rom- Harold and it's a good Na- romantic comedy. Name a romantic comedy you enjoyed, not Harold and Maude. And, and not When Harry Met Sally. <laughs> Did you like When Take Harry Met Sally? the only two? That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like When Harry Met Sally? Sure. So then you might like Four Weddings and a Funeral. Uh, yeah. It's good. Although my voice did rise when I said that, so involuntarily, so you're lying. It's, it can't be good, man. You should try. And you this. blinked an awful lot of times while you're saying that. <laughs> Go back and watch Lair of the White Worm again. Is you granted that? Oh yeah, now that's his breakout movie wow. for me. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Lair of the White Worm, God. Six Feet Under. I have the television seen show. The television I've seen show the first few under. episodes, but I didn't watch it it's, past that. It's excellent. Uh, the reason I bring it up here is it, it's about the Fisher family who run a funeral home in Los Angeles. Right. Just every single episode uh, has a funeral kind of as as its basis, uh, much in the same way that a house starts off with you know the people who are not the main characters and then right. they die and then they have to or they get sick and they have to find out why they're sick. Yeah. Six Feet Under starts off with somebody that you don't know and then they die and very often there's a you you know, it's a total switch. It's not the person you expect, much like House. Right. And then the family has to end up going to the funeral home run by the Fishers and... Solve the mystery. S- not, not solve the mystery. No, it's not that kind of show. The, they have the to circle. get their closure. They, you know, and even though it seems kind of like a procedural up to that point, then it's really just about the Fisher family and their life and their loves and all the drama that goes on. One of, if not the best uh, series finales ever created. Uh, Better than Newhart? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not short 
Never to go again when the old man